I have a travel hot take. <laughs> Let's hear it. Are you ready? Yes. Everyone should have to wear suits on airplanes. <laughs> no way. That's what that one's already been done before. Um, my actual hot take is the best flight one can take is the 6 a.m. flight. Now that I'm back into like flying on airplanes, 6 a.m. flight. I'm not a morning person, but I think the 6 a.m. flight is the optimal time to, to fly on an airplane. Explain yourself. Okay, it's, it's cheaper than every other flight that you can take because like, nobody wants to take the 6 a.m. flight. There's no traffic getting to the airport. There is no line at security. The flight is usually like 60 to 70% full max. I have never taken a 6 a.m. flight and not had an empty seat next to me. And it gets you to your destination usually without like you still have a day because like you wake up and you're there. It's easy to sleep on the plane. And then you've got like a full day that you can do there because you usually land at like, I don't know, like no later than noon. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I don't know if any of that applies to a 6 a.m. flight in L.A. Uh, there is traffic. There is a line for security. The plane is full. Uh, the, none of the ca- none of like the cafes or anything are open in the airport, so you can't even get a coffee or they're barely open and there's a line. And then uh, you just and you've had like three hours of sleep for nothing. I had a really hellish uh, experience flying out at that hour. So. Uh, were you too early or too late? No, I, I well, I just assumed like because it was I'd never flown out that it was around that time. I'd never flown out that early. And I thought like, oh, it's going to be easy. But it was just, you know, it's like a situation where like it feels like the airport is kind of on still on like a. Uh, uh, graveyard, the graveyard shift. So there's like fewer people handling kind of the same amount of tra- traffic. And so it's like everyone needs to get their bags checked by one beleaguered employee. Everyone is getting coffee out of the same burned coffee maker at like Wolfgang Puck or whatever. And then everyone is, <laughs> you know, so See, I it think was, that it was kind of work in your favor because the TSA does not give a shit at that moment. They're like completely glazed over and just like looking at the screen of the x-ray going through the bags and they go like, oh, whatever. Just let it through. I don't care. It's too early for this. What are you smuggling? I don't know. I think I have bad luck. I'm often the one that gets like randomly picked to have my like, bag all gone through. It's because of the steel shank in your boots. Maybe. I mean, I wore boots like this last time that did not have a steel shank in them. And they were like, it's your boots. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I took them off and then I walked through and I got randomly selected. And then they were just like, oh, it's too early. Just go. It's the only one I've ever slept through. So I, uh, only flight I ever missed was at 6 a.m. Slept right the fuck through it. Woke up like solid 7 a.m. and was like, well, Going back to sleep. See, that is the uh, that is the risk factor with it. Uh, high risk, high reward. I get so anxious about being late for flights that I can't ever sleep really the night of a flight. And if it's that early, I basically don't sleep all night. And then I just kind of ruin myself for like, even when I get to my location, I have a full day there. I'm just like, I can't operate because I need See, another you might as well sleep. run a red eye. Like, that's what I do. Yeah. A red eye would be better, and then I could just crash the next day. 
Mm. See, I enjoy that feeling of being like sleep deprived and punch drunk and just pushing through it the first day. And then you like sleep 12 hours that night. It depends because I can push through it if I'm alone, you know, or like just like seeing sightseeing. But if there are other people in the mix that like are expecting me to be a certain level of like, you know, fun, I can't do that. I can't be alone. The, the, the one time that happened to me and I fell asleep in the bathroom at the Reykjavik like Viking Museum in Iceland and like I was awoken like while sitting fully clothed like on the toilet in like a stall in this like Icelandic museum bathroom by a very confused janitor and I was like I'm fine I'm fine excuse me I need to go out in the daylight now <laughs> wow that's was a great a place museum? to fall asleep it was a great museum they had a pair of pants made out of human skin that was really creepy. <laughs> that's the next. Uh, that's the next trend. I'm wearing with your. Can you wear them with the uh, the Hender Scheme LL Bean boots? Probably. <laughs> they were like witch doctor pants for a very cool look. Yeah, as I saw that, and I was like, "Well, it's time to go to sleep." Welcome back to Heddle's Blowout. As per usual, it's me, your host, David, along here with my co-hosts, Reed and Albert. How we doing, fellas? Doing all right. Doing good. Have you heard about the raincoats that are having a bake sale so they don't get outlawed in New York? No. Please share. Yeah, they have PTAs. Oh. Oops, I misread that. I mean, PFAs, excuse me. I, uh, that was an error on my part. <laughs> also known as polyfluoral alkyls. The water-resistant clothing that's applied to tens of millions of garments every year and is probably in all of our blood right now. Mm. Have you seen this, heard about this? Because we got some policy corner here, everyone's favorite segment, that we're going to eat our vegetables early this, this episode. <laughs> hey, this with it, David. Yeah, so this is from uh, Alden Wicker on EcoCult, that a little bit of a background on uh, PFAs, which are invented in the 40s and are a broad class of synthetic chemicals called per- and polyfluoroalkyl chemicals, PFAs for short, that have been added to performance gear such as raincoats, snow boots, bicycle oil, ski wax, and more to make them breathable, yet impervious to water. Coating is often called DWR by industry by the industry, which is short for durable water repellent. Makes products stain resistant and causes water to beat up and roll off your jacket. Problem is, these chemicals don't ever break down or go away. Once created, they flake off on our laundry and flow into the water systems, shed into formerly pristine wilderness snow, accumulate in wildlife and in our bodies, and travel to the farthest reaches of the planet. They have been found in the blood of the remotest First Nation communities in Canada and soaked into the snow of Mount Everest and ski resorts. Which has scary implications for our planet and its animals, including us, because research linked to PF, uh, has leaked PFAs to a variety of cancers, reproductive disease, miscarriage, infertility, hormonal disruption, and obesity risk. Um, so while it can sound scary to put on something with this level of toxic toxicity, 
Probably won't absorb or breathe in fluorinated chemicals via the waterproof lining of the jacket, but they do get into the ecosystem and uh, like when you're out wearing them, as well as the water system when you wash your clothes. And yeah, we probably all have some in our blood right now. Um, sounds pretty bad, right? So we're going to like Arcteryx TikTok shower ourselves into fucking extinction is what is what you're selling. I mean, like infertility us. or like leukemia, maybe that's that's sort of the thing of like now everyone's yeah wearing their arcterixes in the shower <laughs> and putting it into the municipal water supply, just directly into the municipal water supply. Yeah, yeah. But David, put it in terms I can understand. Can I vape it? Uh, you can because you can buy <laughs> DWR spray and you could totally huff that shit or like All probably right. put it in an e pen and like Sounds DWR good. coat the, your uh, the inside of your lungs. If anyone at home does that, keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> New York State Legislature on Tuesday approved a bill that would ban the intentional inclusion of per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, otherwise known as PFAs from common apparel, and will now head to the state Senate for a vote. So, found this, the definition of like what is common apparel, it's certainly not what I wear. But uh, and it's not a new line from a certain Italian minimalist sneaker maker. Um, the the definition of common apparel, according to the bill, refers to clothing meant for regular wear or formal occasions, not including but not limited to undergarments, tops, shirts, pants, skirts, dresses, overalls, bodysuits, dancewear, leggings, leisure wear, scarves, saris, onesies, and diapers. Uh, everything I have in my suitcase right now. Um, and the term does not include professional uniforms or outerwear intended for extreme conditions. So um, the shit that it's used on. Yeah. Yeah, the shit that it's used on. The stuff <laughs> that like, people Good actually use for. Although I would love to have the job of common apparel designator and gatekeep this and just like have a big like rubber stamp that says common. That, a, uh, a rigorous debate over dog clothing. Where does this <laughs> fall? <laughs> Someone quits their job over it. Yeah. How would the, the this dog wear these PFA pants? <laughs> there's a on Stouffer's lasagna. Uh, there's a little. <laughs> this is good. Trust me. The frozen kind. Uh, the one with the meat, the meat sauce one. They have a sign on the, oh. on there that says two times the meat required by the meat sauce standard. And there's like a fucking organization link, which means there's an entire organization just dedicated to like the proper amount of meat to sauce ratio required for meat sauce, which I do think is, yeah. is probably a fun organization to work for. You got to love bureaucracy. Uh, who controls the meat sauce organization <laughs> controls the world. That's, that's what I've always read. Pulling the strings, some puppet master shit. Uh, <laughs> So the New York State Assembly is pushing this thing, but uh, corporate clothing companies are not happy. Continuing here from Sourcing Journal, uh, the American Apparel and Footwear Association, a trade group that represents brands such as Adidas, Gap, and J. Crew, has balked at the proposed effective date of December 31st, 2023, which it said provides companies with insufficient time to prepare. In a letter to the New York State Legislature last week, President and CEO Stephen Lamar suggested an implement implementation date of Jan 1, 2027 instead. Collectively, Ooh. we support responsible regulatory requirements that are protective of human health and the environment, <laughs> Lamar wrote. Okay, y'all ready for the butt here? Big hairy yes. one. But 
Our members are leading efforts to aggressively phase out the use of intentionally added perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl chemicals with the goal of complete phase out by 2027 of intentionally added PFAs chemical in our products. So we're getting rid of the intentional, but you know, if some PFAs happen to fall into the production line, that's neither our business nor anyone else's, we can't foresee these intentional out outcomes. Um, to his point, I can kind of see this, like December 2023 is three seasons out, so it may lead to some waste of stuff that's like already been greenlit with manufacturers, but five years? Come on. This, is like, this feels like more we can regulate ourselves BS when the industry has shown repeatedly that they have no interest or intent in self-regulating mm -hmm. or removing this stuff. I mean, yeah, they're going to put up a fight anytime that, that we try and like save mm -hmm. our planet a little bit. Yeah, like stop giving, you know, the birds and the native Canadians blood cancer. Um, I don't know. But uh, according to a Natural Resources Defense Council Fashion FWD and USPIRG Education Fund report last month, Patagonia is the only outdoor brand to commit nixing the substances in all products by 2024. And even then, the company only mustered a B, the highest grade in its category on the organization scorecards. Remember that like report card we talked about a few months ago? Yeah. Um, most outdoor companies the organization surveyed, including Columbia, L.L. Bean, REI, and the North Face owner VF Corp., received a D or an F for complete commit incomplete commitments that excluded some PFAs or for stretching out their phase-out periods beyond a reasonable time frame. Many companies also employ outdated definitions and misleading terminology in their commitments and communications regarding PFA chemicals and ignore the latest scientific uh, consensus that PFA chemicals are defined by the existence of at least one floor, blah, blah, blah. But Just copy and, copying and pasting shit left and right? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, uh, the, the organizations also know that European outdoor apparel companies such as Jack, Wolfskin, Houdini, and Vowed, which all sound like made-up companies, but apparently are pretty big over there, um, and outdoor textile supplier PolarTech have managed to root out PFAs from their supply chains already. So it can be done pretty easily, and U.S. brands are just delaying unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those first um, three just sound evil. They're, turns out they're doing good things. Yeah, Jack Wolfskin, Houdini, and Vowed. It's like a DC MCU villains there. Yeah, it sounds like the three villain and villains in, like, I don't know, like, I, yeah, DC. In response to this, we've got a lot of state governments like New York State that are leading the charge of banning PFAs. That California passed a law banning the use of PFAs in some infant and children's products and is now considering banning them in all textiles. So, babies first. Um, Just some, though. Just some. Not all. Uh, I mean, you want to, uh, who wants a diaper that can absorb anything? I need my diaper to be durable water repellent. <laughs> um, need to roll off. Washington State approved a bill that will phase out PFAs and products ranging from apparel to cosmetics by 2025. Maine will bar the sale of products with intentionally added PFAs. That same intentional thing again. Um, and Massachusetts has introduced a bill that would reject the use of PFAs in common household products like carpeting and cookware. Now, this shit's everywhere. Um, but also sort of ridiculous that, like, why is it up to, like, a main state, like, representative to be a regulatory body here? I mean, it's sort of indicative mm -hmm. of the institutional decay that, like, the EPA isn't doing this, which is supposedly the funded federal organization that's supposed to, like, 
make mm-hmm. these decisions. Um, I think it's good that like the state legislatures are stepping up to the plate, like based on scientific studies that seem like this is a real problem, but kind of comical that state governments are the ones having to do this extremely technical chemical compliance in the face of you know, federal regulatory bodies that should be doing this. Sandwiching in between like fucking like lobster policy and, and some zoning ordinance. Yeah. Like lobster policy. Next on the docket. Yeah, we have uh, it's, it's Maine. <laughs> to to raise the uh parking meters from like a quarter to fifty cents an hour and are we gonna ban polyfluoroalkyls? <laughs> yeah, do we wanna do we wanna live into the twenty seventies or, or are we good? I mean, this is all sort of indicative of like I I often think like like, oh I'm so glad that I don't live in a time when like asbestos was exposed in every building. And like leaded gasoline existed and like lowered everyone's collective IQ by 10 points. Um, but <laughs> we're, we're very much in that time period just for all these other chemicals that uh, like the scientific community knows are bad, but we still have to deal with because the industry is like, oh, bottom line, guys, not going to happen. Yeah. And like, um, you know, and the lead is still in everything, you know, even even from even though that's not in gasoline anymore like it does it's it takes its toll and it it gets into every single thing yeah it's still that's what it says about these pfas they're going to live in the environment they don't break down they're going to be there for like hundreds and hundreds of years um like microplastics but you know you can wear your arcteryx jacket in the shower and like make a cool make a cool tiktok i mean i guess to be fair wearing it in the shower is like at least it's like self-sabotage, not environmental sabotage in a lot of ways, right? Like you're just fucking up, like we're just like fucking with humans in the municipal water supply instead of like wearing it in nature where it's going to be fucking with like poor deer or some shit. We're just trying to drink out of a stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bambi's going to get leukemia. <laughs> Dude, Jesus. So like wrapping up here, kudos to the New York state government for picking some fights with fashion where we desperately need them like this. and. Fashion Sustainability and Social Accountability Act for Greater Transparency. But yeah, we'll be back um, just a minute. Talk about some items that do not necessarily have PFAs in them, or at least their inclusion in this list was entirely unintentional. I'll be back after a quick break. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. Quick word from our very generous sponsor. Whether your jeans fit so well they are wearing out or need some adjustments to truly earn your love, Science and Kindness Denim Repair understands. Discreet crotch repairs? Yeah. Shishiko? Yeah. Chain stitch embroidery? Yeah. Union specials? Yeah! Period correct biggie patches? Yeah! They go hard when it comes to your jeans, but it's not hard to get things taken care of, usually within two weeks. No wait list, no judgment, just your jeans, better. By mail or drop off in St. Paul, Minnesota. At Science and Kindness on Instagram to see our work. Scienceandkindness.net for an estimate of how to get started. A free chain stitch hem and repair and service discounts for all Heddles Plus members. Science and kindness. Less yikes. So, for the lighter side of this episode, 
We had a discussion a few months ago about what our only three brands would be if we had, uh, you know, like Desert Island brands. We could only shop for like those three. Along those same lines, Albert, you had a, a very uh, ingenious question of if we could only own five pairs of shoes total, what would they be? I mean, literally everything you can put on your feet, formal shoes, hiking boots, running shoes, flip-flops, etc. And if you only had five shoes to choose from for literally every context, you know, what would fill those things? And- I can say a little background on this question. My friend from high school who uh, is on Broadway, uh, one of her friends, Broadway, one of her friends uh, was asking her to then ask me, and I thought we could all talk about it together about what your five kind of most essential shoes would be which i think is just such an impossible question and i thought it'd be really i thought it'd be more fun if we all collectively hashed this out because i know we'd have slight variations on on these five um and i think i need to kind of i need help on my fifth one because i'm kind of stumped and i know david you were saying that your fifth was a hard one too right yeah, I mean, this is very difficult for me to to do it five pairs of shoes because I only own three pairs. And uh, yeah, I mean, the fourth one I could come up with, but the fifth one, I don't know. And, and it's hard because when you have so few, you feel like they all have to do kind of double duty. They have to be. It's hard to justify one that's kind of a, just like standing around at a bar shoe or like, a you know, like because you want it. You want them all to have to be versatile, so it's it's really tough to figure out. Okay, so I got some some controversial takes here. First one: Loa Renegade GTX Max in gray or black. This is not a not a heddle shoe necessarily. Yeah, I don't know what this is. This is a the all around like hiking boot slash foul weather mm. shoe. If anything is gross mm-hmm. out, it's it's this one is taking the hit. That I uh, I've had a pair of these for about fifteen years now as my go to hiker, and only now like is are they starting to show signs of wear and like the the like squishy material like the EVA is starting to disintegrate a little bit. Um. They don't look horrible for being a technical hiking boot that I have a friend that's really big into like the rave EDM scene and she either exclusively wears a pair of these or a like <laughs> Rick Owens hoof look looking thing, um, which made me feel a lot better and more confident in my choice. <laughs> and yeah, also these are made in Europe um, and uh, I believe made in Portugal. Um, so you don't have to like worry about them being made in some sweatshop, like a lot of other technical pieces of, uh, footwear. And yeah, I think like, I'm very happy with this. Like, I think it could, uh, it can take a big hit and last a long time. The second pair I would go with is the Mizuno Wave Ascend 8, the color of which does not matter because it is the most hideous looking shoe. and it was my favorite running shoe before Mizuno discontinued it in 2014, and I still hold a candle for it in my heart. <laughs> this site is image no longer available for this you shoe. You scroll down a little bit, you can see a video of it. Oh, you gotta work for it. But yeah, this uh, I, I was with Mizuno for the Wave Ascend 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, 
and then I bought the eight twice, and then you can't find it anymore. And I've been looking for that shoe ever since. Um, but I could happily wear a pair of these, like pair after pair after pair, until like my knees blew out, which might be pretty soon. Um, if I would continue to wear like very old running shoes. Um, and I would also reserve this spot if I couldn't find this, if we're going to be technical and say like this has to be a currently available shoe for an equally ugly running shoe because my feet are a little bit fucked from running too much. And so I do not have the luxury of picking one on aesthetics alone. Otherwise, I would probably pick like a 990 or something like that, which would be a good walking shoe too. But like I've run in those since I bought them and I can run like maybe less than five miles. But after that, like my feet start to hurt. Yeah. Um, the next one would be a Yucatan Pedro Roper boot, which I've talked about extensively in the past. The, um, like tan suede crepe sole combo. This is just like the everyday walking around boot that, uh, I, you could wear this for like 95 ish percent of occasions, but it, they don't really work in rain or snow and don't work with shorts. Um, that math doesn't check. I mean, I don't wear shorts <laughs> if you take all that often. Rain, snow, and short season off the table in Denver. Like that's a. I feel like that's not ninety five. You can just stay inside if it's with if it's your rovers. No. Yeah, just stay inside and wear them around. That's it's fine. Yeah, and David, David, don't police yourself. You should wear these with shorts whenever you want. I have worn them as shorts, like when I've been traveling and had them and I was like going to a pool and I'm the guy that's like wearing Patagonia baggies and like roper boots that's and like a, and a denim shirt, like walking out to the hot tub. It's very mm. much like, you know, I feel like it has the same energy of if I was wearing a Speedo, actually Speedo and roper boots. I think that's like a combo that uh, is so ridiculous that it probably could happen. I don't know. That might yeah, be you're like. That might be like nuclear core meltdown situation too. Yeah, like speedo, like r- bright red speedo, roper boots, and uh, like a cowboy hat is like I don't know, like eighties uh, Eastern European like coke dealer kind of aesthetic that I think could have a lot of play. I think you should bring back the baggy roper from vacation. Just bring that mm. home with you. Start parading it around the streets at home. You know, the change has got to start somewhere. Like we were talking about the Speedo a couple weeks ago. Like, why not be the first mover? Yeah, Ernest Speedo. I mean, girls girls wear uh, cowboy boots and dresses all the time. And sometimes those are like, it's, and they'll do it with shorts. So why not? You could be a real like Dukes of Hazard heartthrob kind of thing. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, the Roper boots, they're, they're staying in. I'm going to wear those until one of us dies. Then next, Vans Eras in white. I feel like this is truly the like wear for nearly any occasion thing. Like You can mm. wear them with shorts. You can wear them at the beach. You can wear them to the gym. Wear them on a boat. Wear them while playing tennis. You could, like, if uh, you had one of those, I don't know, um, waspy, like, douchey personalities, you could wear it with a suit. Um, but I need the eras instead of the authentics because I get heel blisters. My feet are weak. You you can wear those playing tennis? No, no. Like you can, you can. Like just like you can wear adelettes or like loafers playing tennis. Like you can physically do it. They're not. They're not <laughs> meant to do it. Playing tennis, isn't it? 
not intense tennis. I would roll you my do ankle. A kick flip on them, like I can't do a kickflip on them, but someone can. No, that's. I mean, they're meant for that. Tennis is just <laughs> a little bit like. I mean, tennis is a thing. Like, you don't want to be played. Folks at home, if you've got an alternative for tennis, find it. I mean, rod lavers are a tennis shoe, and they're what is they're they're functionally not that different than these. Spring courts, explicitly a tennis shoe. Yeah, but Rod, Laver, similar to a Rod Lavers were a tennis shoe design when they were playing like almost exclusively on clay, just different types and grass. Like the hard court shit hadn't been hadn't really uh, come to pr- like the U.S. Open was a grass court tournament when the Rod Lavers were. Okay, I'm not gonna win Wimbledon in Van's eras, but like you could play a game. Yeah, but you're gonna rip right through them. You have one match them and have no rubber left. But I guess you got an infinite supply in this scenario. So tennis away. Yeah, you got an infinite supply. It's just uh, you pull another lever, you know, like when like the, those things at fast casual restaurants that dispense forks. You just get another yeah. one and like you, uh, a, a single Vans era pops out and you have to keep pulling until you get both a left and a right. That's what I'm imagining in this scenario. I like this. Okay, the final rounding off my five is... Uh, the Gucci 1953 Horsebit Loafer in Black Suede, um, which would be the formal shoe, which I feel like also does a lot of double duty, that you could wear it with a suit, with a tux, with chinos, mm-hmm. or dark jeans, or maybe even shorts if you're really pushing that like East Coast preppy asshole kind of look. And I have had the same pair since I was 15, and yeah, like I think it is the longest serving pair of shoes that I have in my collection. That I think between those five, you can do, like, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a scenario that would not be fit in those, but uh, I also have a six-man of, like, the, the shoe that you don't wear out of the house, which is the L.L. Bean Venetian version of the Wicked Good Moccasin, um, which is the perfect house slipper, and after, like, many years and many pairs of the lace-up version, I've switched the Venetian because the laces just would always come undone. And you always walk under them and they get all flat and gross. No laces is the optimal way to wear that slipper. Those are my, those are my picks. This is Fantasy Footwear Draft 2022. I don't want to fight. I want to, I want to collaborate here because I'm struggling with this assignment. I, like you, David, I set aside a now defunct uh, sneaker for my running shoe which is the Hoka Clifton 7, which is far superior to the Clifton 8. And they I always think do this. That, I know, it's so fucked up. I, that was my favorite running shoe ever. And in, they did do certain colorways, like an all-white or kind of all-off-white that could conceivably be walking around sneakers. And I think sometimes I see cool people wearing Hokas in a cool way, although it is rare. Um they're mostly kind of like dorky gym shoes. So that you could do running in that. You could do light hiking in most California weather in that. You could. I have played tennis in those and they're pretty solid. Although I, it's like a really light upper. It's kind of like a. It's like kind of a mesh. And I did tear them. Yeah, that foam tennis. is too soft too. Tennis yeah. shoes have a heavy duty rubber. Like mm. skate shoes. Kind of different, <laughs> but I see these are available, and on the link that you have here, Albert, like it, it, 
Don't make my mistake and be ch constantly chasing the dragon of the Wave Ascend 8. I'd say, like, buy four pairs of these while they're on sale. Well, look, look, because all of those sizes have, like, a little clock next to them, which I think means, like, alert you um, when they're back. And I know that that fooled oh, me that, as well. That, that's that's sad. Yeah, the, 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 the little clock makes me think, like, time's running out, but time has run yeah. out. Um, so I can't find those anywhere. Yeah, if and you're then, a twelve and a half to fifteen, or an eight and a half or nine. And then number two for me is my Paraboot Chambord. Um, that is that's a shoe I bought in college in France. It's one of my most worn shoes. I think as leather shoes go, really versatile. It's like you know, it's dressy enough to be worn uh, with nicer trousers, and it's solid enough that I've worn it. And grippy enough that I've worn it in rain and snow um, and breaks in really nicely. I've had it for mine pair for so long and I have never had any issues with them. Uh, they've really formed to my fit my feet really well. Uh, I am a huge pair of boots, Dan, and I love those. And I think those might kind of satisfy my formal option, too, if I had to, like, do double duty, maybe just like, you know, maybe just like condition them before I had a formal event and clean them so they looked shiny and nice. That is a very solid pair of shoes. I feel like if you had one pair, this could fulfill like most of your use cases except for running or like intense activity. It goes really well with a lot of the clothes that I like to wear. And that silhouette is so versatile. Um, and it's like much more versatile than like the Michael, which is the other pair of boot that people have a lot because that's kind of hard. Those are really comfy, but they're not. I don't feel like they're they don't lace up as much. So they're a little harder to no, rock. Not as supportive. Um, my next one is just a classic. The Chuck 70s, Chuck Taylor 70s. It's the first sneaker. You know, it might be my last sneaker. Um I think the real pro tip with this one, though, is you buy them a little big and you put in insoles because they are kind of there's not a lot of there's not a lot between your feet and the ground in those, even though they are more supportive than mainline chucks. And I feel like I feel like that's like that's like one of those we talked about like great general release pairs. I feel like every so often like the chucks seem to disappear, but then I see them all over again on cool people in really cool outfits. Again, so versatile jeans trousers people do them with shorts i'm not it's not really my thing but i guess i suppose you could if you wanted to and they just like they just age so well and they, like the older and more fucked up they are the cooler they look johnny knoxville yeah they're just so evocative and they're so cool and they just i just love them they're great is there any particular colorway that you would pick for those or any material Go with a plain canvas. Go with one of the weird like tie dye versions. Or uh... <laughs> I think I think that for most people's needs, you would want to do black, the black and white, or uh, the parchment colorway. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings uh, on the I... Chuck Two, the one with the Zoom Air insole? I didn't really like those. Just curious. They feel Did you like I feel like those were unfairly maligned, sort of yeah, like the pair. They were, they were super comfortable. I had a pair. When I was working on the floor, because like I had to be on my feet for eight hours a day. I mean, I think that like I wish they hadn't changed. I wish they'd put that technology into the 70, you know? Like 
I wish it didn't have. I wish they didn't have to change the upper because I felt like the upper was conspicuously different, and they could have just snuck that in there. I got the lows too. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I like the idea. I just I was not super big on like the execution of it. But that would be like a much better version of this because you could really wear it like any sneaker. I that would be such a good idea. The Converse put that Zoom Air unit in the in the seventy. Nothing is stopping you at this point. Yeah, you Can have you the ability. Or are they they glued yeah. in in the seventies? Uh, you might be able to actually swap it. <laughs> you might be able to swap because I think they put the the. I think they might. It might be that Zoom insole. It might be in the actual midsole, but it might be the insole on the on the Chuck twos. You might be able to just swap oh. them out. We used to do that. With like the dunk SBs, the zoom was in the insole, and you could just put them in regular dunks, which was nice. I mean, that's been that's been my dirty secret of like I just put super feet, like super feet greens, into a lot of different pairs of sneakers of just like I want to be able to stand in these for a long time, and like the the insole that comes with it is like a millimeter thick and completely flat. Super feet green. Super feet green. It's like a running shoe insole. They cost like forty dollars. You can get them at any running store. Oh Good yeah. Good for arch support. Um, they like mold your feet a little bit. Oh, recommend. this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I have I have something like this. Not as nice, but I have something like that in my older pair of Chucks. I've had a pair of Chucks since I was like nineteen, and they're still with me, and they're they're still awesome. Um. And so where I kind of crapped out was at number five. Oh, no, sorry. We're at number four. Number four for me was 990s. Mm-hmm. We're fans here. Um, Which version? Uh, 990 V5, probably. Just like general release, easy. We all have own some a pair black. of those. We all own a pair of those. I have some black suede 992s, which are sick as well. But the, the V5s are just kind of like a go-to. And you can wear them with shorts. You, you can wear those to the gym for like a, a slightly cooler look or you can like wear them to go get coffee in the morning or go to the bodega, whatever your whatever your personal preference is. Um, they're like sporty, but they've come around to the culture enough to be like a hot girl walking shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, but my I'm really stuck on number five because number five, I want a boot and I just haven't I haven't found. I don't I can't think of really a boot that like I feel like the the perfect boot is kind of a search like the perfect pair of jeans that has no end or the perfect pair of pants or whatever because the idea is that you'll buy one and basically commit your whole life to like breaking it in and making it look good and we are people that like well maybe Reed and I are people that like out ex- moving swapping outfits around so much that it's like hard to commit to one for life uh David is not that way um so i don't know like i would love for that to be like as much as i like our legacies like i kind of want to buy a pair of guidis boots like as much as i like that look and that cowboy boot look i don't feel like that's as versatile as having like a really solid six inch lace-up boot and so if you had to pick one where would you go if you were gonna do six inch lace-up you go iron ranger viberg I, it's the thing I've never White I've never boots, owned Viberg. <laughs> I've never owned Viberg. I've never owned Wesco. I've never owned Alden. So I don't know. 
Um, I'm kind of stumped. I mean, like my Solivare uh, astronaut boots are really solid and really comfortable. And I'm sure yeah, they'll look the really good. Shop, shop.heddles.com, 10% off code blowout. I'm sure that those will, like, I, when those are really thrashed, they'll look really good. But I don't know. I'm kind of stumped on this one. And, like, this is what I'm going to be trying to f- figure out. Because I would love a great thrashed pair of boots, but they're hard work. I'm surprised no loafers made your list. I love loafers, but I still haven't found the perfect pair. Never in a million years would I have thought a pair of loafers would make my list, but not yours. But here we are. I would love for that to be the case, but I, I just, I haven't found the one that's like the go-to. Um, I'd like to find it, but I just haven't, I haven't, I haven't yet. It's sad. It's hard to be me. The right loafers out there. The right boot is out there. You just have to keep looking, you know, don't settle. Like my boots and I, we had a, a virginity promise ring that we, we gave to each other when we first, uh, we first met and uh, never, never looked back. <laughs> Still have the rings? Oh yeah. Burned into my feet. I've promised myself to many boots and shoes over the years and I always wind up unfaithful. Reed. Hit us with it. I'm I'm guessing you have a pair of loafers. I would stake my my uh my small fortune of shoes on them. Um my list is not as professional as yours. Either of yours. Um at a yeah, so uh, I think I started. I I think I just sort of went with what I wear the most up top. So I went with Birkenstock Boston's because I have those on like a hundred percent of clear. the days of my life. Uh, at some point, I will wear Boston's. Feels like reckless to give those up. I went with Adidas Power Phases because I assumed I could just I could like manifest some like a shoe they're no longer making like within reason. Uh, for this list, if they're telling me to sacrifice all the other shoes, like I'm like, yo, give me the one I want then. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like Adidas got to bring it back. They're going for like 600 bucks on StockX now, not the Calabasas one, just like the regular GRs. Um, it's time, Adidas. Heard it here first. But so I've got those on there, just like they're a white trainer, like an 80s trainer. Um, I put my climbing shoes in those. Like, again, not advised. There's better, there's better options, but they're definitely better than vans. Like they're, they're designed for aerobics more side to side. You're going to blow a fucking ankle playing tennis in vans. I feel like the next time we meet up, we're going to have to play tennis against each other. Me in eras and you in power phases and put, I'm not going to ruin my power phases, but we can figure out an equivalent, some club C's or something. Okay. Um, We can create a virtual model and yes, uh, club C's are good for tennis. Yeah, like that's like essentially it's the Adidas version of a Club C. And the Club C, if I can't create a shoe out of thin air, I'll probably just go with like Club C's or something like that. Uh, that silhouette, I get a lot of mile out, mileage out of. Um, I put my climbing shoes on this list. Uh, the Scarf <laughs> Instinct VS. You said I could only put my feet inside certain shoes. And I was like, well, fuck. Now I'm down to four because I got to include climbing shoes. Um, climb barefoot. Like barefoot Charles, oh, run, run barefoot. <laughs> yeah, run barefoot. As our creator intended. Um. Yeah. So those are on there. Those are my favorite shoes. Then uh, that's like fairly straightforward. Instinct. They're black and orange. 
climbing shoes have the weirdest color palette. Fives or Scarpa Instinct versus? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's VS. Yes. I've had wow. them for like well looking at the silhouette of this, you know, like the profile silhouette. It looks like a plague doctor's mask from the side. Yeah, they're like talons, kind of, huh? Yeah, they do look like talons. Yeah, but the, definitely the plague doctor nose thing. Um, mm-hmm. Cool looking shoe. Yeah, and unexpectedly comfortable for a climbing shoe. Like climbing shoes are definitely not noted for their comfort. Those are like you wear them on the first day, like pretty easy. And then I tried to figure out the next one. I was like, all right, I got to have something I could like run in. But then I was like, we don't have a ton of spots left. Cause I had filled them up with things that are like three things that are kind of an essential to be totally honest. So I was like, do I do the, <laughs> the Nike free Two trail? Cause I love the free Two to run in and it's like, well, fuck the trail's got like a little bit more beef. Like maybe we could, use that as a hiking alternative or I just do I just do the Adidas Terex ones that are like completely waterproofed out and can like our trail running shoe and also a hiking shoe. So it's probably one of those. Um for number four, just like just versatile, not looking for like the free two that's the white and gray one is my favorite running shoe of all time. I just love that thing. Uh never never caused me joint pain either, which was which was solid. Very jealous. I didn't run like you did. Like mm, we're talking like no one should. Yeah, I was like we're talking like three to five miles in those things. We weren't we weren't exceeding that that threshold very often. Um, and then uh, for five, I just put loafer. Uh, because that's that was the vibe. I was like I was like this got to be a loafer, but I don't know if it's like. I've got a couple pairs that I really like. Like I've got the black sock and Weber's like uh, the ones with the collapsible heel. Those are mm, sick. You can, can wear them a lot. Yeah. I can wear a lot of situations. And then, but then I also just have like a pair of Cordovan uh, color eight Aldens that someone returned a long time ago to union made. Cause they had different size feet, but they thought the shoes were different sizes. So I benefited greatly. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was cool. They returned them. Um, so yeah, it's between those two. Yeah. What would you pick? Would you pick the Cordovans or would you pick, it's like a honey, it's like a honey brown leather on the, on the Ellis's that I got. If I was me, I would pick the Cordovans, but if I was you, I would pick the mules because I know that's like probably 80% of the the way that you wear them is with the, the heels collapsed, right? See, actually I don't, I I do wear them like the time I wore them with the heel collapse the most is when I had a busted ass ankle and it was like hurting me to to have it cinched around it. But like, I also feel like the, the silhouette on the black stock is more your vibe, right? Like kind of like chunkier. Is that true? Yeah, I guess like the, the toe box. Yeah. The, the Alden's like a little daintier. Although it does have like a nice roundedness to it, but yeah, I think you're probably right. I think I'd probably go black stock. I think if I resold my 316 black stock loafers, I would wear them more. Oh, it's got the wedge on them, right? A crepe yeah. wedge, right? Yeah. It means they're heavy. Yeah. I mean, the, they feel very comfortable. I just, that sole, I, I just, I just, it's, I don't wear a ton. 
I think I would really rock. I would really wear wear them more probably on a traditional leather outsole. I'm running these ones again recently. Like the weird like wicker basket AT East ones from a few years ago. Oh, crazy. But you can't really wear them in the winter, so that was they're immediately excluded. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a shame that that there aren't more running shoes that you could feel like cool just like not running in. Like I feel like there is there the technology must exist because like 990s you can kind of run in but it's not like I'll wear them for like a mile run like to the gym maybe. But like I just don't feel like super great in them for anything more than that. And the technology must exist to make a running shoe that like looks cool and has some kind of attitude to it. Maybe that's what Asics is doing. I don't know, but like you know what I mean? I mean just give it time because like if you look back at the shoes that like you know the ones that like Roger Bannister wore to break the four minute mile it looks like constructed like a dress shoe this like hunking like leather thing with a bunch of stitching in mm-hmm. it I guess that it spikes mm-hmm. but yeah I mean like the, the shoes that people like wore to run the like uh, 1900 era Olympic marathon um, mm-hmm. yeah like those uh would be considered like semi-formal most today is like they're like leather shoes with like leather uh or like mm-hmm. dark heavy rubber soles so i think it's just mm-hmm. like the, the fact that you're pushing the bounds of technology to and making things out of like mesh and weird colors just now looks weird but yeah mm-hmm. then that's the sacrifice you get for having something that's like on the cutting edge of what is best and foot supportiveness well i also think too though Albert, because I do hear what you're saying. Like, like the Air Max 90 is a running shoe, right? Like that was what it was designed to do, even though no one in their right mind would, there's just better shit to run in now or like whatever. Like mm-hmm. these were all shit. Like, but it's like, I feel like it's like on an undeniably cool looking silhouette, like whether it's yours totally, or not, yeah. right? Like it's like, and it's kind of been played out, but it's like, it's a good looking silhouette. And like all those sort of were now it does feel like we've hit the point where like, the technological upgrades we make require like a soul that's shaped like a football or some <laughs> shit. Like, like, it, like you're truly yeah. looking at some like bizarre looking footwear that's like teched out for running like those, that, that entire Nike line, like right, like literally like, I think it's like crescent shaped, like fucking soles on those things. Um, and they're like two inches thick cause of all the foam and there's like all that like spring that they're giving you. And, but yeah, I mean, I do think that they've, sort of hit that tech point where like maybe they could smooth it out and start figuring it out but i think it's like we've we've reached the futurism part of uh of running footwear well it's like it's funny because i feel like the people at my gym are all wearing like they're all like guys who lift and don't do cardio they're all wearing like air force ones or like i've seen some of them wear like 550s or blazers i haven't seen any yeezys but i'm sure like it's in the family and it's like, it's just weird though. It's like, there's this kind of clear distinction where it's like, I want to wear a shoe that is cool to stand around in, but I can't take it on the treadmill. I can't take it for, it's like, I wish we could just marry the worlds. Well, see, it's like the cross trainer has died as a genre too. I think in a lot of ways, like when we were kids, there was the cross trainer. That was like an entire category of sneaker. That was, that was like basically like turf shoes and it encapsulated like a whole bunch of shit. Like you could do like, it was like for aerobics, but it was more, more than aerobics, I should say. But like a lot of like, they had like grippier soles and like a little bit more padding maybe than, than your running shoe, uh, like a little bit more mm-hmm. ankle stability, but like ultimately they were supposed to be light and responsive. 
as well, just like the same. Like I would check out some of those like old '90s trainers because I bet there's some good ones kicking around on eBay for you. '90s cross trainers. Yeah. yeah, those are like the shoes that you wore as a kid of like when you only had one pair of shoes. Yeah, but you could run the mile in them just fine. Yeah, you, you could, could run the basketball. mile in them. You could play like yeah, basketball or touch football or like anything like that. What do kids wear today when they only have like what you do? Kids still only have one pair of shoes, like as at least my experience. I don't know if I'm out of pocket here. You had like one pair of shoes you wore like seven days a week and then yeah. you had one nice pair of shoes and that was it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That you like, you like went to gym class wearing the sneakers that you would wear the rest yeah, of the you day. You to school. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and you ran the mile like in jeans if you happened to pick like the, you didn't remember it was mile day. <laughs> I, I had some like really tragic and boring sneak. I don't even remember the sneakers I had. It was like, wasn't until probably like middle school. I was like, can I have Converse? Those are cool. Actually, I wore a lot of Vans because, you know, California baby. Oh, I was, I would like two months before new sneaker time, I would start doing my like East Bay research on new sneakers, which like, like I would make my parents take me to as many places as we <laughs> possibly could go to find. Like, I remember there was like one year where I was hunting for fucking when, uh, Stefan Marbury was still on and one, I was hunting for the and one Marbury's bef- this is before Starberry. And holy shit, did I make them take me to like five or six places? I think, I think I ruined an entire weekend trying to find these shoes in like a six Y that's beautiful. That's really cool. I wish I was on up on shit then. Like I wish I'd started early enough to have like experienced some of that. I was just like totally unaware of clothes and shoes and everything. Did maybe I'm unique in this experience and I might be um, letting on a bit too much here, but anyone else have the experience where you were too big for like kids size shoes and too small for <laughs> men size shoes. <laughs> So your mom made you buy shoes for the women's section. That never happened to me, but you know, I heard about it happening once for that in between yeah, your pair sounds- of shoes as my feet were growing. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm no, sorry I that, that happened one. to your friend, David. Yeah. yeah okay, feel, me neither. We don't have I to feel get bad. We're running out of time here anyway. feel bad for your friend. Yeah. Well, you know, we can, we can talk about that another time, but uh, yeah, those are our fives. Uh, We'll have those up on the show notes if you want to have a look with things that are currently semi-available and things that have uh, unfortunately passed on from this, this shoe-buying world. But thank you very much for joining us today. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or want to share your five pairs of shoes, read what is our email address. Blowout at heddles.com. Thank you very much. And Albert, we got some new stuff in the Heddles shop? Um... Yes, we have some new old stock gung-ho. We did a restock of Stan Ray, but we have some cool new shoe options that should be coming in fairly soon. And we got more Le Laboureur en route. Thank you. And yeah, you can find all that at shop.heddles.com. 10% off with the code BLOWOUT. And Bloodstone Rings. Oh, and Bloodstone Rings. Just want to give a special thanks today to Science and Kindness for sponsoring us. You can find them at scienceandkindness.net and at scienceandkindness um, on Instagram. Heddles Plus members get a free chain stitch hem and discounts on their first repair. Um, so you can sign up at heddles.plus for that. And thanks again for joining us. We will see you next week. Bye bye, folks.